morning, everyone. Uh, a week or two ago, Brother Richard talked about the seven churches and their greatest strengths and weaknesses. All the while shared that we need to seriously take heed and listen as if God was talking to, to us directly as the church of Altona. As we read these churches, about these churches. One of the more sobering ones that Brother Dwayne also shared last week um, in detail was the church of Sardis. And for this church, I, I feel like it's speaking to us as, as if it's talking to the church of Altona. Or it could be your church as well, wherever you represent. Um, and all these things we need to plug in ourselves and look in, in the mirror. And I'll read this verse in Revelation 3.1. We're not going to spend a lot of time in Revelations, but I want to just speak about this verse here. And unto the angels of the church in Sardis write these things, saith he that hath the seven spirits of God and the seven stars. I know thy works, I know thy works, that thou hast a name that thou livest, but you are dead. You are dead. You think you live, but you are dead. It's deception. They were deceived in the utmost. Does Altona have a name that they are living, but they are dead? Let us take heed, brethren. We all make up this church. We are all responsible for this church, all of us. Not the leaders, not the deacons, not the defilts, it's not the members. Of the body, but everyone, the sisters, the children, everybody has a responsibility, especially the men. That thou has a name, that thou livest, but you are dead. And we know that church from what Dwayne shared last week. They were rich, they were successful, they were, they had all the latest and greatest. They had the latest technology in protecting themselves. You could see, you can plug in yourself. We've got the latest and the greatest. We were successful in a way. We, we have things figured out. We have no uh, worry about where the bread is going to come from. We have no worry about our enemies coming and taking over. Um, it's in a, in a way, it's comfortable. But the Lord allows things into our lives, trials, tribulations, in the form of our brother's suffering in Elmendorf and in the form of sickness um, grave sickness in the church, it humbles us and it brings us on our face in anguish. And we thank the Lord for that, that he loves us enough to bring us down to that level, to who we recognize who our maker is. We are all responsible for the local church. Brethren, I cannot say it enough. Those of you who are sitting back, and saying, ah, I'm glad these brothers are doing this and that. Brethren, we are all responsible. I know you know that. I keep being a broken record in that. But I want to say it strongly. We are all responsible for this church. And if this church failed, you failed. We cannot point at a single person. We all failed. When a brother falls into sin, we all failed that brother. And I hope we come to our face weeping when we hear of some misfortune that happened to a brother because we are responsible for that brother or that sister. We have failed. 
What does deceive mean? The Webster says to cause someone to believe something that is not true, typically in order to gain some personal advantage. Next meaning is to give mistaken impressions. The next one is failing to admit to oneself that something is true. Deceive or deceived comes up 30 times in the New Testament. Be not deceived comes up six times in these words, in that order, be not deceived. Are we deceived? All of us don't think that we're deceived. We like to think that we've got a pretty good understanding of, uh, of what we believe in. And we're not really deceived, but we look around and we see a lot of people that we feel are deceived, but ourselves not so much. And this is what I want to hone into. Since all of us are a continued work of progress, which all of us are, we could hypothetically say that we are all in some ways believing something that is not true, or we might have a mistaken impression on something we do or believe in. So yes, if we define it that way, all of us are deceived about something. I think we could all admit it. that We're all deceived about something, about a certain impression that we have, where the Lord is working something yet in us, that we haven't quite figured out. Like Brother Morgan opened up this scripture today in a way that we have never seen before. So in a way, we've been a little bit deceived in how we look at that story of David and Goliath. He made it more alive. It was more real. We could plug in. We really aren't deceived, but whatever. You, you see what I mean. We're all learning. We're all a work of progress. Amen. We can now ask the question, who or what is the primary person in our spiritual life that benefits the most from us being deceived? Based on that definition in Webster. Who or what is the primary person in our spiritual life that benefits the most from us being deceived? What is being gained or getting an advantage of? I believe there are two people that are getting an advantage of us being deceived. First of all, it's us. We are getting advantage from being deceived. And I'll explain further. Our earthly members, our lusts. In James 4, 1, From whence come wars and fightings among you? Come they not hence even of your lusts that war in your members. So it's yours truly. We, before the mirror, are getting the most advantage from being deceived. The next one is the devil and his angels. The principalities and powers of the enemy, the rulers of darkness, are, are getting an advantage of us being deceived. For we wrestle not against flesh and blood, but against principalities, against powers, against the rulers of the darkness of this world, against spiritual wickedness in high places. And it's very important to understand this truth, that we ourselves are the greatest enemy of our spiritual life. And our flesh is all too happy. Our flesh is all too happy to make provisions for its loss the war in our members. To have someone or something make allowance for the loss of our flesh is music to our ears. This is why a carnal man is so easily deceived and brought under the subjection of the devil. Because it's music to our fleshly ears. The Bible says having itching ears. Because our ears naturally itch for these things. We're human. Again, all deception is to gain some kind of advantage. There is no greater advantage combined than our flesh. Tell, I'll tell you a classic story of deception. It's called a vase and a cat. 
A man wanders into a small antique shop in San Francisco. Mostly it's cluttered with knickknacks and junk, but there on the floor, he notices and looks like an ancient Chinese vase. On closer inspection, it turns out to be a priceless relic from the Ming dynasty whose value is beyond calculating. It is worth anything else in the store put together, probably 10 times. The owner clearly has no idea about the value of this possession because it's filled with milk and the cat's drinking out of it presently. The man sees an opportunity for a deal of a lifetime. He cleverly strategizes, it's a deception here, a method to obtain the vase for a fraction of its worth. That's an extraordinary cat you've got there. Can I buy it? said the man. How much would he sell it for? Oh, that cat, it's not for sale, said the shop owner. She keeps the store free of mice. I really must have her, I, in, I insist, said the man. Tell you what, I'll give you $100 for that cat. Really? She's not really worth that, laughed the owner. But if you want her that bad, she's yours. I need something to feed her with as well, said the man. Let me throw in another $10 for that saucer she's drinking out of. Oh, I could never do that said the man. The saucer is actually an ancient Chinese vase from the Ming dynasty. It is my most prized possession, whose worth is beyond calculation. Funny thing, though, since I've had it, I've sold 17 cats. The man, clearly seeing his deception didn't work, had to fork out $100 to try to save his pride. There you have it. This is a human tendency, deception. Let's talk about a couple different kinds of deception the Bible talks about. Number one, deception who has supreme authority. Matthew 24, 24. For there shall arise false Christs and false prophets and shall show great signs and wonders insomuch if it were possible they shall deceive the very elect. In verse Luke, 20, Luke 21, verse 8. And he said, Take heed that ye be not deceived, for many shall come in my name, saying, I am Christ, and the time draweth near, go ye not therefore after them. In this verse, what advantage is being sought after? Authority. For what? To be God, to be like God, to be on the same level of God. To be over and reign over another. To have supreme authority over people to tell them what is okay and what isn't. In the interest of, of, of a self-advantage, the deceiver wants to fulfill one of three things. The lust of the flesh, the lust of the eyes, and the pride of life. Lucifer, the chief of demons, tried to deceive God and become God, but was instead thrown out of the presence of God. Since then, he has been on a crusade to try to deceive as many of God's children as he can by promising them pleasure of the flesh, pleasure of the eyes, and pleasure of pride of life. It's all it comes into these three categories, all deception falls into these three categories. Keep that in mind, brethren. The next one is deception of the flesh. Know ye not that the unrighteous shall not inherit the kingdom of God? Be not deceived. Neither fornicators, nor idolaters, nor adulterers, nor infeminate, nor abusers of themselves with mankind, nor thieves, nor covetous, nor drunkards, nor revilers, nor extortionists shall inherit the kingdom of God. And such were some of you. But 
ye are washed, you are sanctified, you are justified in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ and by the Spirit of our God. Thanks be to God. I believe the greatest threat of deception comes from our own fleshly desires, trying to fulfill its own pleasures or make provisions for these pleasures. God gave us many pleasures to enjoy, but man is not content with just these God-given pleasures. He or she wants to explore others like the world does. So our flesh is always warring and arguing with the word of God to find ways past scripture. The Bible calls this the hardening of the heart or having itching ears. Remember, for every good thing that the Lord made for our enjoyment, Lucifer has made a deceptive copy that leads to destruction. Paul points some of this out here in 1 Corinthians 6.12. All things are lawful unto me, but all things are not expedient. He says in verse 12, All things are lawful for me, but I will not be brought under the power of any. Meats for the belly and belly for the meats, but God shall destroy both it and them. Now the body is not for fornication, but for the Lord, and the Lord for the body. Verse 14, And God had raised up the Lord, and will raise us up by his own power. Ye know not that your bodies, know ye not that your bodies are the member of Christ, are members of Christ. Shall I take, then take the members of Christ and make them the members of an harlot? God forbid, no. What? Know ye not that he that is joined to an harlot is one body? For two, saith he, shall be one flesh. But he that is joined unto the Lord is one spirit. Flee fornication. Every sin that, that a man doeth is without the body, but he that committed fornication against his own body, sinneth against his own body. What? Know ye not that your body is the temple of the Holy Ghost, what is in you, which ye have of God? You are not your own. For you were brought, bought by a price. Therefore glorify God in your body and in your spirit, which are God's. The counterfeit fit here is fornication. God gave us marriage, which is holy, sanctified unto God. Fornication is, is the devil's deception for something good that the Lord made. And in everything good, the devil has a deceptive um, copy. Brethren, what or who is our guidebook and what is okay for our Christian life? A lot of you think just because the parents, church, or elders don't say anything about this or that, it must be okay. Be not deceived. If we are busy making provisions for our flesh, we will live in deception. We see in Galatians chapter 6, verse 7. Be not deceived. God is not mocked. For whatsoever a man soweth, that shall he also reap. For he that soweth to his flesh shall of the flesh reap corruption. But he that soweth to the Spirit shall of the Spirit reap life everlasting. And let us not be weary in well-doing. For in due season... We shall reap if we faint not. And as we have therefore opportunity, let us do good unto all men, especially unto them who are of the household of faith. Are we living in the spirit or the letter of the law? Are we living our lives in a serious prayerful way that the Lord has preeminence in our lives? Or are we living our lives in such a way that if my parents or church don't say anything about it, it must be okay? My friends, if this is the case, you are living in the old covenant. Look in the mirror and question your spiritual birth because you are deceived. On a personal note, young people, older brethren, can the Lord speak through you? 
I believe we can, most of, most of you. You have a personal relationship. The Lord speaks to you directly through his word. Has the Lord ever said you should stop doing this or stop wearing that, even though many around you are? Has the Lord ever prompted you to do something or put on the second mile for a sister or brother, even though most around you aren't? Who is the boss over your life? If it is... If it's your flesh, you're living in deception. I want to be careful what I say here, and don't get me wrong. But Jesus Christ, the word of God, must have the last word in our lives. Not our friends, not our church or family. We must all come to a place of personal responsibility before Christ. What is the word of God to us? Is it always our pastor, our fellow elders, our peers, our uncles, or parents that say, thus says the Lord? Young people, how often have you clearly heard from the Lord what he wants you to do or go a certain way, even if others around you seemingly go another way? We will end up in deception if we follow our peers. We need a vibrant, living relationship with the Father to not be deceived. And once we see our church being deception, we can then warn them and guide them. This is the beauty of the body. God wants our entire lives. He paid for us and we, that we can continue not living after the flesh, but after Christ. I made a list here that I feel like it's important to mention that if we are deceived, if... You are just doing what the church asks of you. That is the letter of the law. If you're just doing what the church asks of you to do, you are living in deception. You are not, you are deceived if you are not given holy to God. You are deceived if you are not expectantly waiting on God for more Christ-likeness, but are instead just doing what men have you or not have you do around you. You are deceived if you are making provisions or excuses in the flesh. You are deceived if you think you are wise in this world. Let no man deceive himself. If any man among you seem to be wise in this world, let him become a fool that he may become wise. You are deceived if you think yourself to be of higher knowledge or understanding than others. How many of you think that you're pretty smart? They've got things figured out. You know, you, statistically, all of us kind of feel that way. As humans, that we're pretty smart. We're probably smarter than our next guy in, in a lot of ways. Things like that. Just be honest with yourself. How smart do you think you really are? What's the last time the Lord gave you a kick in the where it hurts and you fell on your floor on your face and you repented Lord I thought myself to be pretty wise didn't I and he had to give us a lesson you know the German statement It's a funny statement, but it's the truth. We don't know everything. Brethren, we need a body. We are not well-rounded. 
we have we have a lot of missing um, spokes in our wheels. That we go around like a tractor, clunk, We just keep on. We're not well rounded. We need our brethren to make fill up these places in our wheels where where we lack. Some people think that they are so smart that they should have the last word in a decision. That they have this awful, this awesome discernment. Maybe you do. Maybe we have discernment. But let me tell you, you are not as well-rounded as you perceive yourself to be. Be not deceived. You are in need of a brotherhood. Because your fellow brother or sister fills the gaps that you so desperately are empty of. At times or in certain things. I hope we can all say amen to that. To see ourselves as we truly are before God. In need of a church in need of one another. Because we will fall. Psychologically, we humans have this trend of self-assuredness and deception about us that afflicts everyone. From this following write-up, it seems that we are ingrained with it. Um, this, is, this is a write-up written by Brad Henson, Our Moral Superiority. Researchers at the University of London concluded that a substantial majority of individuals believe themselves to be morally superior to the average person. And this illustration of ours is uniquely strong and prevalent. They write, most people strongly believe they are just, virtuous, and moral, yet regard the average person as distinctly less so. And among their study participants, virtually all individuals irrationally inflated their moral qualities and the absolute and relative magnitude of this irrationality was greater than that in the other domains of self-evaluation. And we have a lot of self-delusions. Perhaps you've heard that 93% of us genuinely believe we're above average drivers on the road. Perhaps you've heard that 93% of us genuinely believe that we're above average drivers on the road. Perhaps you've seen studies that show us we're also, we also think we're smarter than the average. And we're friendlier too. Plus, we're more ambitious than the average. You might think with all this awesomeness that you, we might have an ego problem. But the good news is we also rate ourselves as more modest than the others. So yes, we're better at everything than everybody, but at least we're humble about it. That's not surprising because we're us and you know we're cool like that. But what about people we assume simply must be less moral than us, like murderers and thieves and drunkards and the like? Surely they'd have a more reasonable assessment, right? Why, no, actually. The incarcerated population also thinks they're more moral than everyone else. Prisoners find themselves to be kinder than the average person and more generous. The professor who conducted the study of prisoners wrote, the results showcase how potent the self-enhancement motive is. It is very important for people to consider themselves good, valued, and esteemed, no matter what objective circumstances might be. So you think this is also in the church? I think it is very much so, this assessment, because it's human. And at last I checked, you're all humans. You are deceived if you think you have no sin. 
1 John 1, 5, verse 10. It doesn't mean that we're, we are to live in sin, that we all of us have sin. And this is the message that we have heard of him and declare unto you that God is light and in him is no darkness at all. If we say that we have fellowship with him and walk in darkness, we lie and do not the truth. But if we walk in the light as he is in the light, we have fellowship one with another. And the blood of Jesus Christ, his son, cleanses us from all sin. If we say that we have no sin, we deceive ourselves and the truth is not in us. If we confess our sins, he is faithful and just to forgive us of our sins and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. If we say that we have not sinned, we make him a liar and his word is not in us. You are deceived if you think that because you are a sinner, you can keep on sinning and sinning. Christ wants us to live in righteousness over sin. We can see this in 1 John chapter 3. Behold, what manner of love the Father had bestowed upon us that we should be called the sons of God. Therefore the world knoweth us not because it knew him not. Beloved, now are we the sons of God, and it doth not yet appear that we shall be, but we know that when he shall appear, we shall be like him, for we shall see him as he is. And every man that hath his hope in him purified himself even as he is pure. Whosoever committed sin transgressed also the law, for sin is the transgression of the law. And he know that he was manifested to take away our sins, and in him is no sin. Whosoever abided in him sinned not, whosoever sinned had not seen him, nor known him. Little children, let no man deceive you. He that doeth righteousness is righteous, even as he is righteous. Let no man deceive you. He that doeth righteousness is righteous. Don't let anybody take that away from you. If you are doing righteousness, even as he is righteous, you are righteous. He that committed sin is of the devil, for the devil sinned from the beginning. For this purpose the Son of Man, God, was manifested, that he might destroy the works of the devil. Whosoever is born of God did not commit sin, for his sin remained in him, and he cannot sin because he is born of God. In this the children of God are revealed in the children of the devil. Whosoever does not righteousness is not of God, neither he that loveth not his brother. You are deceived if you call yourself a Christian, but don't love your brother. We know that we have passed from death unto life because we love the brethren. He that loveth not his brother abideth in death. Whosoever hated his brother is a murderer, and he know that no murderer had eternal life abiding in him. Lastly, you are deceived if you live in defeat and discouragement. Let's look at the promise in 1 John 1. And these things write we unto you that your joy may be full. In verse 4. And in 1 John 2, 1, 3, And hereby we know that we, love, that we know him if we keep his commandments. We see, brethren, that there are conditions for the Christian to be a child of God. We cannot be a child of God and not walk like he walked. Once we... When once we accept Jesus Christ as our personal Savior and become baptized, we are called to live a life that abides in Christ. We have not attained fully, but we have a steady forward progression towards it. What is our experience? Are we living in denial? Are we bearing fruits worthy of a repented life? If 1 John 2, 3 is a reality, we need not condemn ourselves, but boldly come to the throne of grace. If that verse is not a reality, we need to come in anguish to the Lord, beckoning to our Lord Jesus and Savior for a fire to burn away the flesh of lukewarmness. 
Lastly, that we become not like the material successful church in Revelations 3.1. And unto the church of the unto the angel of the church in Sardis write, These things saith he that had the seven spirits of God and the seven stars. I know thy works, that thou hast a name that thou livest and art dead. He who had ears, let him hear. Amen. May we examine ourselves in the light of Scripture and seek the Lord together. Amen.